You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic with Dr. Heidi, a toxic relationship specialist. Here, we bring hope, healing, and freedom to those who have been affected by toxic relationships and emotional abuse. Learn to not only recognize a red flag when you see one, but have the courage to choose yourself and move forward in a life that's free from toxic control of others. Living in an environment that's not healthy for you can cause this type of abuse to be accepted as normal. The truth is, it's not normal. It's toxic. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Heidi, your Toxic Relationship Awareness and Healing Specialist, and I am back on the It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, Rid Your Life of Toxic People podcast. Super excited today. I have a guest, and everybody knows that when I have a guest, I spend half the time interrupting them. It's it's what I'm best at. Anyway, so a little bit about what we're going to talk about today is you know as well as I do that my podcast is about toxic relationships, but... There's a lot of other toxicity in our lives that invades just like toxic relationships. And um, I was just talking about this right before we hit go on the speaker that honestly, any type of toxicity that tries to invade your life, the answer is really the same. It's all about choosing yourself. And every episode that I do on this podcast is about putting yourself first and quit trying to please everybody else. So I'm just gonna um, introduce you I'm probably actually going to let her introduce herself so that I don't mess it up. She has a long list of qualifications. But with me today is Virginia Kerr. And I have known her for several years. Um, we have made connection, you know, quite often. And then we can go six months without speaking and then get back together. And, you know, it would be just like we have been together all the time. But She'll tell you a little bit about her story, and we have not planned this podcast. We're going to let it go wherever it, it wants to because I feel like that's what's going to get across what you guys need to hear today. So welcome, Virginia. Thank I'm glad you. you're here. So what, what Dr. Heidi meant to say is she has a long list of hot messes. So <laughs> so no matter what you're going through, I'm sure I've been there too. So, um, But I'm originally from Alabama, but I live in the St. Louis area, and I was brought here with my my career at the time, which was TV news anchor. Um, and this is the perfect time actually for us to do this because I've gone through such a growth spurt, like professionally, no, not professionally, personal developmentally wise, that's not really a word, and um, spiritually in the mm -hmm. last six months. So I, I have so much more clarity on what, why I did what I did and why I chose those relationships that I was in, whether it was with people or just, um, toxic patterns mm -hmm. in my life. And so I, I guess it all really started when I was 13. My father was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. We had a really normal family up until then, but when that hit, I didn't know what was happening to our lives. I didn't know who took my father. And as his episodes progressed, I, I always tell people it was like, his manic portion of his episodes would take a, a little piece of his personality. Mm -hmm. But my mom was one who, you know, you just suck it up and you figure it out and you keep going. 
So with that said, my mom was doing the best that she could do. I don't blame them for anything, but I'm, I'm realizing where all these toxic patterns mm -hmm. developed. And that's when it started. I literally did not know how to process my feelings at the time. Mm -hmm. And I certainly was not going to go to school and blab about it because I needed everybody to think that I was perfect because I assumed everybody else was. Right. Everybody except me. seems they're yes, perfect. That's yes. what I thought. So the way at the time that I chose to hide, suppress, cover my feelings was through binge eating at the time. Mm -hmm. And through that, again, all of a sudden I'm just now learning, is that I also was never taught through example or just even had the, these conversations to develop healthy boundaries with people. You know, there were things that my dad did and I don't think he did them intentionally, but I, and I think he learned them from honestly his abusive um, father mm -hmm. that were not healthy, that were, you know, they, they taught me to allow people to say things and do things to me that were not okay. And literally I just discovered some of these things in the last three months. But why I say that is that when you learn that the wrong way as a child, when you learn how to process and handle your feelings the wrong way, when you don't learn how to set healthy boundaries, when you don't learn how to, where true self-worth comes from, then you start this life of allowing people to treat you a certain way, teaching people they mm -hmm. can treat you a certain way, and, and constantly seeking approval from everything outside of us except where it should come from, right. which is within. I do think, you know, you <clears throat> said, um, you know, the binge eating and plus a lot of the other toxic things, including toxic relationships. When it starts that young, I, this is not scientific, this is my observation. I think sometimes when, when your world is crashing down and you can't control anything, you revert to the things that you can control. Like, for example, yes. what you put in your mouth. A thousand percent. You know, so, so that was a little piece of you that you could control yeah. when all of this other stuff was completely out of control. Right. And so I would, I would put very <clears throat> strict rules on my eating. Um, I would run. I was also obsessed with running. So I would run depending on how many, sorry, <clears throat> calories I consumed when I got home mm -hmm. from school. And this started when I was 13. And it didn't stop until my 30s. But you felt like you were in control because you had this yes. structured yes. schedule. Yeah. Yes. I was always, a, I still am a control freak, let's just be clear. But I, I <laughs> always was a, con, was a controlling person in that sense. I didn't, re, I didn't realize that. But it also um, developed into me becoming addicted to relationships. So I always had a boyfriend or mm -hmm. I always wanted a boyfriend. I never felt like I was... Um, worth much yeah. if I didn't or, have one. Or our identity becomes based yes. on who we're with and who we spend our time with yes. rather than us because our self-worth is in the tank. Yes. And I didn't want to spend time by myself because that was not, yeah, who, that was, ooh. Yeah. Well, I didn't know what I don't even like myself. Why right. would I want to spend time And with this myself? went on for years, like literally until I went, I completely got rid of my last addiction, which we'll talk about. But, um, so the boyfriends, it, when I look back at the boyfriends I had, each relationship progressively got more and more dysfunctional mm -hmm. and toxic as I went on. And then my obsession with being on television started when I was also that age because I had it in my head that if I could be on television one day behind a news desk, then I would have finally showed up and showed the world I matter. Ta-da. Yep. I did it. Yep. Yep. I matter. And, um, and now I can check that off and say that that I'm perfect too. But what happened was over the years as I, you know, went to school and I, I went to the small markets, you know, that 
were getting me ready for the next big market. I got to St. Louis and I was the morning news anchor and I was literally the most depressed I'd ever been in my life. And, you thought, and everything you worked for that you thought, if I could just do this. Yes. Yeah. It, it was always, there was always that next promotion, that next job title. And then, um, so then I finally went to counseling when I was married the first time. And that's when I started to see the patterns. And I started to understand the idea of setting healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I was still um, only focused on small sections of my life. I didn't apply it to everything, so I only applied the, the healthy boundaries with my father at that point. So that relationship got more manageable mm -hmm. when I was, I think I was like 31 at this point, but I didn't apply it to other parts of my life. I also was able to control the eating. So I thought at this point in my life, oh my goodness, I no longer am a binge eater. I now know that I can control when my father gets to talk to me and I get to mm -hmm. call the shots as far as how he talks to me but I only applied it to those two areas. So what happened was all of those patterns morphed into another fun addiction, right? <laughs> so that's when the drinking started. And I, I did marry um, again, and that was a blind date. And so I, I point, right. I point that out because I would have never picked the husband I'm married to now had it not been for someone else saying, oh, I think you guys would really hit it off. Mm -hmm. And we were not this relationship that took off like wildfire, like all my other ones. That The fire was so big and bright that I couldn't see the red flags. Um, it was what I like to call a slow burn, mm -hmm. meaning it gradually got better and he was never going to fizzle out because he was the real deal. Yeah. And, con the, and consistent. Yeah. Probably. To the yeah. point I broke up with him because he was so freaking boring to me mm -hmm. because there wasn't the highs and lows of drama. Yeah. That I was so addicted to. Drama and drama and chaos. Yes. You know what? And I'm going to jump in here for, for the <clears> listeners <throat> right now. That is a struggle that I have a lot of clients going through. In fact, I, I had just talked about it last week. But the addiction to chaos and then when you get yes. out and having to sit in calm and peace is very uncomfortable. Yes. You don't know what to do with yourself. Yes. I, I was talking about I don't know what to do with my hands because you're so used to the next thing, the next big thing coming down the pipe or being being ready to put out fires or being ready to take care of somebody. And when nothing is happening, yeah. you don't know how to deal with it. Because those are all distractions. Yep. And it's about learning to like yourself, which yeah. is... Yeah. yeah. So I didn't have the distraction of the... of. I remember when we were um, first dating, I started picking the fights like my, my exes did with me. So I kind of in a way, not intentionally by any means, I kind of became that aggressor or that aggravator that was trying to pick fights. And when I was going to counseling, she was pointing it out. No, you're doing that because you're you're going after that drama, that chaos yep. you're talking about that's, that's not there right now. When really you just need to be okay with someone treating you with respect and knowing that this is what a healthy relationship looks like. Stop trying to mess it up. And believing that there is a healthy relationship out there. Yes, you and know? that you deserve it. You're, you second guess it, you're like, this is way too good to be true. Yes. You know, which happens in toxic relationships. The beginning of them are, they seem way too good to be true and then they end up that they are. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the addicted to chaos is a difficult, difficult thing to overcome. Absolutely. So I, um, I married him. I, we had a baby. I was, so now I'm still at um, the CBS affiliate in St. Louis working on air. And, and then I realized that um, I'd put ourselves into $20,000 of credit card debt because of my, Shopping addiction. Well, you were on TV. You had to look good. Of course. I had excuses for all of it. <laughs> um, so then I started to um, 
I, I started to try and find ways to pay off this credit card debt. I picked up a side um, job uh, at a local radio station. I even trained to become a Zumba instructor <laughs> because I was like, I got to pay off this debt. And <laughs> But really, that was me becoming addicted to work. I mean, mm -hmm. if I look back, I was addicted to lots of things because I never wanted to be still yes. with myself and my busy, thoughts. Busy, busy, busy. In my thoughts, yeah. And so I was a, a chronic overachiever, always seeking the next thing to prove myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't happy with the TV thing anymore. Now I wanted to be this balanced wife and mom. And so I started a, a side business, which was, at, it turned out to be very healthy for me because you can, and as you know, as a business owner, you cannot be a business owner and grow without growing as a person, right? You just can't. I mean, your business will crash and burn. Yep. So I that agree. really put a magnifying glass on me because now I was actually running a business, building a business and helping other people do the same thing. And I couldn't be a good leader and coach if I wasn't working on myself. So this is when the real growing pain, I think, started to happen. But before I recognized all of that, my drinking increased. I was drinking every single night because, again, I was out there trying to portray this image of being a perfect person who had it all together when really I didn't. And I would go home at night and I would drink off the people that I resented because right. I also was addicted to people-pleasing. Any yep. of this sound familiar? Like, <laughs> Sounds familiar to all of us. <laughs> So what I realized was I was constantly trying to seek approval, not with just job titles and accolades, but I never wanted anyone to be uncomfortable because I always, I mean, it sounds so narcissistic, but I always, I just assumed it was always about me that, that if they weren't happy, I did something or if they weren't happy, it was my job to fix it yeah. always. But I never took the time to fix myself. And what happens when you live in that awful um, rat race of, of people pleasing you start to build resentment because you start to assume that these people are going to do what you want them to do because you're putting all this time and energy into them. And then when they don't, then you're pissed. Yes. <laughs> you're pissed or you're completely devastated. Yes. I do think, you know, you have a situation um, from growing up that I did not have, but my daughters had. Yeah. I, I honestly think that if you have a parent that is going through stuff and you're not getting so much attention, you're constantly mm -hmm. seeking their approval. Yes. And it, it, it is a approval treadmill. Yes. Continually. And then the problem with us too is we never celebrate the wins. Right. You, oh, you have this ginormous win. For example, my college, my, when I graduated with my doctorate, my life was so chaotic by that. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we get across the stage? Cause I've got stuff to do. That was something that should have been celebrated. And my life was so chaotic. It was just like, hurry up, let's get this done so we can get on to the next thing. Yeah. And so you don't even celebrate the I stuff. Know. It's just push, push, push. And then when people don't get it, like you said, then you're ticked off because can't they see how hard I'm working? Yeah. And that's, that is what happens to people who they want to be so successful in whatever it is they do with their career, but they focus so much on that goal of success mm -hmm. that they completely forget to work on the other areas of their life. So they may become the super rock star, whatever it is they do and make a lot of money and be a really empty, sad yep. person because they always were chasing that carrot and never celebrating the wins and never yep. paying attention to the people around them. Um, actually, it's funny that you say that because I do, um, I do a lot of public speaking around here and I, I always send people home with homework. Yeah. And one of the things I have is a wagon wheel mm -hmm. and each spoke is a different area of your life. Yeah. And you have to put how, how satisfied you are with each area 
and then connect the dots and see how well your wagon wheel is going to roll. Oh, I like that. And it totally does never roll. Yeah. But it's just, if you don't have balance in every area, right? you know, you're going to be super successful and your home life's going to be horrible or, you know, a thousand percent. Yep. And, and it's all about balance. But when you're chasing that ever loving achievement status, you don't see that. Yeah. And, and the perfectionist in me wants to have balance at all times, right? We want to yep. make sure we're, we're succeeding in a hundred percent. That's not possible. So you are constantly swinging the pendulum. Like when I realized yep. that I've been really fixated on my business for a week and I need to spend some more time with my husband and my son, I'll swing that pendulum back. No, but I, I give myself the grace to know you're not going to be a hundred percent in all areas, right. but you have to be aware of those areas and then, you know, make up for the, the lost time and, if you've neglected a part. And sometimes you have to go, okay, this is what I want, but I will take this. This will be enough. Yes. Because us yeah. as perfectionists, we, yes, of course we always want to hit the top, but when we hit the top in one area, always yeah. another area is falling. So, okay, this is what I want, but, but I'll be happy if I have this because then you don't have to do that. I, I say that in the business I'm in now. Okay, if I'm focusing on chiropractic, that grows, but the acupuncture doesn't. So then I have to, you know, I have to puff this service up, and then in a month I have to run over here and I have to puff right. this back up. Yeah. So it's however many hats you're wearing is how much puffing up you have to do when you're running around. Yeah. So sometimes you have to take some of those hats and chunk them. Yep. And that's where I am right now. When I learned that I was saying yes to everybody and everything except myself, I had to look at my life and say, okay, what is what is it giving and filling me up and what am I constantly giving out to that never comes back and fills mm -hmm. me up? And I had to get rid of those things. And what's really deceiving to a lot of people is that sometimes we're giving to really positive things. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe you're volunteering for something at church. It's a really good thing that needs to happen, but maybe it's not a really good thing for you to be a part of because you're spread too thin and it's not in your wheelhouse. It's not lighting you up. Right. It's okay to say no to those things. So along my, my recent journey, I started a nonprofit TV show that I love. I love that show. It was a calling. I truly believe, um, for the St. Louis community, but there came a point that I was drinking more than ever before because I was trying to do way too much. My son was neglected, my husband was neglected, my home was neglected, my health was definitely neglected. And I had to I had to say, I have to take myself off the show. Mm -hmm. And that was so hard because again, I knew people were like, why'd she take herself off that show? Why is she not doing that show anymore? What people think. Yes. yes. And there was a lot of guilt with that, but I had to just put my foot down and say, but they don't know your life and what you're going through. And it's okay if they don't understand. Right. It's really okay. And that's the huge step. And I, I have to talk about the guilt thing for a second. Um, I think I spent half my life feeling guilty until I realized that guilt is an emotion. Mm. And just like happiness. Yeah. And if you're feeling guilty, you're allowing someone else to make you feel guilty. Yes. So you can operate on the fumes of guilt your whole life and then realize, you know, you were allowing, you were, you're the one that was allowing it. And as a Christian, I had to learn that guilt never comes from God. He never mm -hmm. wants you to feel shame and guilt. That does mm -hmm. not come from him. So you, you get rid of that and you'd be done with it. Yep. <laughs> it's not, it's not what he wants for you. And so when I, um, I, I knew I had a drinking addiction for a very long time. It was after my son, um, when I had my son that I started to drink on a nightly basis and I probably drank every single day for eight years. And it, drinking is alcohol, I should say, is such an interesting <laughs> addiction because for some people like me, 
it can be such a slow progression mm -hmm. that you don't even realize what it's doing to you. So I went from a couple of glasses a night to a couple of bottles mm -hmm. at night. And, and so, and I was so high functioning that so very few people, really only my husband knew how much I was drinking. And when I finally had, I mean, I, 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 I tell people all the time, don't think that I just decided to stop one day and I just stopped. Right. I tried to stop and thought about stopping for a very long time. But when I finally put my foot down and I went all in, so this is another lesson. I mean, there's a thousand of them, but one of my other lessons was, it's okay that I'm a perfectionist. Like I, I, yep. I accept that in the sense that it's okay if I'm aware of it and I apply it in a healthy way. So one of the ways that I, I applied my perfectionism that was very healthy was when I applied it to getting sober. So when I when I commit to do something, like when I really commit and I'm all in, there's no going back. And I had gotten to that point, thank goodness. I had gotten to that point and I used, I applied my perfectionism to my sobriety. And yep. so every day I showed up and I did the things that made sense for me. I was telling you before we got on here, I love podcasts because podcasts were what saved me. I did not oh, go yeah. to, I did not go to recovery meetings. I listened to, I binged on podcasts every single day. I, I binged on reading every single day. I needed to educate myself on what alcohol was doing to my brain, why I craved it. That took the guilt away mm -hmm. because I realized, oh, it's not me. It's the alcohol. Um, and then I also wanted to hear other people's stories because I knew if I, if I was able yep. to read a, a story that I could relate to and see how they overcame it, that that gave me hope. So every single day I showed up and that's how I was able to quit drinking. And it, it was really hard. I'm, I'm almost at seven months, but I tell people now that I've taken that layer off that, you know, cause it, it started with the eating back in the thirties. I'm 45 now, but, um, now I can finally see life yep. with, with the clear vision that I was supposed to see it. And I'm the hap that'll make me cry. Literally the happiest I've ever been. I cry on this all the time. So they're, <laughs> they're totally used to it. Um, no, you just did, you just made me forget what I was going to say. Um, oh, you said about your story. So some of my listeners know my story and mm -hmm. my girl's story. Some of them probably don't yet. If they haven't attended a conference or been in one of my <clears throat> uh, my coaching groups, they probably don't know the e extremities of my story. But um, I say all the time, your story is something that you tell when somebody else needs hope. Yeah. So whatever we go through, it happened just like it's supposed to yes. because there's something on the other side of it. And it's probably people that need help. Absolutely. And anybody who's in a service industry, which you are a people person and you are a leader, um, I believe that we are set up exactly for our future. Absolutely. And if we knew what our future, if we knew what we needed in our future, we would sign up for all the classes we just went through. But yeah. we don't know yeah. that when we're going through yes. it. Yes. So. I heard something at a recent conference that was so good. And again, I'm a Christian, so this, this goes back to the Bible. But... This woman was talking about how she used... Have you ever seen the movie The Terminator? Oh, probably, but okay, forever well, ago. I had never even seen it, but this this helped me understand what she was talking about. But she said in The Terminator, they, I may get this wrong if you guys are a big fan of The Terminator, but in, in the movie, he comes to um, basically kill off all the women with the name Susan something, whatever her name is. And he had to get her... And he finally finds the one, the, the right Susan. And she's like, I don't understand. Like, she's a waitress in a small town. And she's like, I don't understand. Why are you trying to destroy me? I've done nothing in my life that is extraordinary. I've done nothing in my life that could change anything. So why mm -hmm. are you trying to take me down? And he said, it's not what you have done. It's what you're going to do. And so what the whole idea of this is, the enemy out there, 
you may not realize what your potential is to help people on earth. Yep. You may not realize your true purpose, but the enemy knows what you're capable of. And if he can keep us locked down in isolation, fear, anger, addiction, toxic relationships, shame, then he's got you right where he wants you to be because he knows you can't help a soul right. when you are locked in stuck. that prison. Yeah. Yep. So I like to look at my life like that. Like, I, w I just, I was only working with what I had. I was only w working with what I knew. And I, I am not ashamed of my past. I am the person I am because of it. Yep. And it was all of this, and all, for all of you listening, whatever you've gone through, whatever you're going through, it is preparing you for something great. And sometimes we'll never even know what that is. You know, somebody is going to hear this interview and be affected in some way. And I will never meet them. I'll never hear their story. Yep. But I shared my story. And God used it. And some of you are going to listen to it going, now, how are these two already through and moving on when I'm sitting here feeling like whatever I'm going through is never going to end? It will. It will, but nothing leaves your life until you've learned what it came to teach you. Mm. So if it's still in your life, you're still learning. But I promise you, it won't last forever. And you're going to look back on it. And there will be people in your life that are going to need what you're going through now for what they're going through when you meet them. And it's really um, strange how, how many bonds we, us two, actually have yeah. that are just identical but yet different, you know? Yes. I wanted, that that um, brings up a good point that helps me with my drinking. So Chardonnay was my drink of choice. Love that girl. And you turned it into a person. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I saw that. And so when I realized that Chardonnay... <laughs> that bitch <laughs> when she when I realized how she tricked me into thinking that I needed her for my self-worth that I was not interesting or funny or attractive without her I saw it was gonna make me cry again I saw the similarities in my previous toxic relationships mm -hmm. and I was like dang it I thought I got rid of this habit of being addicted to these toxic relationships when really that's what it was all, that's what it was all about. And to this day, like I don't have cravings. Um, most days I don't think about drinking in the sense that I want a drink, uh -huh. but this is still my first year. And the other day, you know, it was the official start to summer with oh, Memorial yeah. Day weekend. I went to a barbecue. I was, I was good at the barbecue. People around me drinking, that does not bother me. I, but I was uncomfortable at the barbecue because there were people there that I didn't know very well and people there that I assumed were not happy with me for a story I made up in my head. And so that would have been a trigger for me to go drink because that would allow me to escape, yep. allow me to get comfortable. And cope. Yes. And, and, be, and, be, and be way cuter and be way funnier yes, and be way yes, more attractive. Yes. And just like um, back in the day, I can remember, I have a lot of toxic relationships in my life, so I can just, you know, pick one. I can remember one of them, like I would go out with the girls and Mr. Jealous was at home blowing up my phone mm -hmm. because I should have been with him. He was making me feel bad about not being with him. And so I could never enjoy myself because I always felt pulled to Mr. Jealousy. Yep. Same with same with the wine. I would go out and I would do my thing and I would only have a couple of glasses because I certainly didn't want to look out of control. But Miss Charnay was at home calling my name, always wanted me to come back. Yep. And so that was my crutch. So the other day I left the barbecue, I go home, my deck's all decked out for the summer and I get pissed because I'm like, I can't hang out with Chardonnay. We can't hang out on the back deck mm -hmm. this summer. So those little thoughts, it's, it's like grieving a lot. Yeah, it I mean, is. De it's going, definitely. When you break up with an ex, I mean, it's, it's like grieving. 
And so I'm still in that. It's just, it's easier now, but because it's my first year, I still have a lot of first holidays and first seasons that I'm going through. And so that stings. Yes. So I still have that, but, um, okay. So again, we did not plan this podcast. So okay, I'm sorry. I, I'm all over the place. know. I, I love where it's going because I, I walk people through the grieving process of, you know, leaving a toxic relationship yeah. or leaving a toxic parent or, and the triggers that are popping up with you with the, um, the toxicity and the addiction that you have been dealing with is the same thing. What happens? You're doing fine. And then all of a sudden the 4th of July shows up or yeah. all of a sudden the anniversary shows yes. up or the holidays shows up. So, so, you know, when I asked you to be on the podcast, I just wanted you to be on because I just have been watching your feed and you've been, you've been so positive lately. And I knew that you had toxic relationships in your past. But as I've been thinking this week mm -hmm. about the connections between just addictions in general, those of you out there that are trying to leave a toxic relationship is exactly what she was just describing about being on the back deck without Chardonnay. <laughs> you know, what am I supposed to do now? I'm out here by myself and there's no drama and there's no chaos yeah. and I'm ugly and nobody likes me. And so it's, we're dealing with the same exact thing. And really what we do is we let other people control what we're doing rather than choosing ourselves. Yes. And when I, when I've, when I've started anything that I've been successful at, including drinking, I journaled and I wrote down what kind of person do you want to be? So what happens when you get rid of the toxic relationships or the toxic patterns in your life is now you're stuck with just you. you. There is no distraction. You're stuck with your feelings. And so for so many people who are addicted to eating or addicted to drinking, they are avoiding the uncomfortable state mm -hmm. of sitting with their feelings. So what's interesting is not too long ago, I was at a winery, actually. I was doing a vendor show and I was there with a bunch of women, which is also something that's not like, you know, my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. um, it is now though, but um, I didn't know any of these women. And I was not tempted to drink. I did, I did my thing. I came home and I'm sitting there and I get this overwhelming uh, craving to eat. And I had not had that in years. But because of what I learned through getting mm -hmm. sober, I sat with it. Instead of going and, and just going after that impulse to go eat, I sat with it. And I asked myself, why are you wanting to eat so badly? Because you're full and you're not drinking. Mm -hmm. so, so what is it? And I realized I had triggered something in me about being insecure at that vendor mm -hmm. show. And that my, the old me in there, that's how I would have dealt with my feelings. But instead, I sat it out. I waited it out. And I knew that it would pass, just like when I, when I, in my early days of, of not drinking, I knew the craving would go away if I sat through it long enough. And that's what happened. But what happens when you are finally disciplined enough to sit with your feelings is you start to sort them out. I, um, I outed myself on Instagram mm -hmm. to hold myself accountable uh, with my drinking because I didn't really use Instagram a lot. My family wasn't on there. So in a way, I felt like it was a safe place, but it was enough that like, I was gonna, you know, speak right. my truth and, and show up every day and not drink, hopefully. I mean, I did it. But um, what I also did was I blogged, and that was kind of like my journal. And I did that when I quit my eating addiction, and I did it when I quit drinking because many times we don't even know what we're thinking until we put it down on paper or until we type it out. And that will help you see your feelings and start to categorize them and start to see the patterns mm -hmm. that is very therapeutic and it's free therapy by the way. So, and, and I think too, when we start feeling and we start having to acknowledge our feelings and not covering it up by mm -hmm. the familiar, which is the drinking or the eating or the toxic person, when we sit in our feelings, it's uncomfortable yeah. because we've always covered our feelings up yes. with something. 
And, and you know, that's huge that, oh, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling inadequate. Let me cover it up. Right. And I say this all the time. People think it's hilarious, but um, I used to walk in a room and hope that somebody in there liked me. I'm to the point, I walk in a room and I hope there's somebody in there I'm going to like. Yes. You know, and it's... Because you like yourself. Yes. You're not looking for outside approval to fill you up. Right. But it's, it's taken, I mean, uh, I've been out of, you know, the serious toxic relationship for 11 years. And now I can finally say, you know what? If you don't like me, that's absolutely okay. Yes. A hundred percent. You know, and, and I'll even think when I meet somebody, you know... If I never see you again, so what? You know, and I used to, I would have never been like that before. Yeah. I would have been trying to create friendships and trying to get, gain approval and trying to make sure that everything was okay and that, you know, pout for days if I thought somebody, you know, disapproved of something. Now I'm totally... And I think that requires us to slow our, our minds down long mm-hmm. enough to recognize what's making us feel that way. So for me, I, got, I actually, even though I was showing up on Instagram to tell people I was still sober, I actually took myself off of social media because the comparison game on social media, when you're in a, in a place like that where you're constantly seeking approval, that will suck the life out of you. Yep. So I didn't get back on consistently on social media until I had recognized that and worked on that part of me. And I still find myself doing it. I mean, I tell, I tell people who've never been on Instagram, this is a whole different ball game. I mean, especially if your, your account is public than it is on Facebook. Cause those are people, you know, most right, of the time right. on Instagram, uh, it's like, you got, I tell people, if you've ever seen the movie, Ralph breaks the internet, it's like when Ralph gets sucked into the internet for the first time and he's looking around and he's like, you know, everybody's in their little Jetson cars and they're seeing these big empires. Like they fly by Amazon and they fly by eBay and you feel so small and stupid because you're in this new world of, in my case, Instagram. And I'm like, stop looking at the empires, like stop comparing yourself. You go do you and you go build your little house and you go have fun in your little house doing what you love to do and don't worry about what other people think right. because you'll never have fun there. And if you can't do that, then get out yep. of there. <laughs> yep. And and you're exactly right. We we're way at the beginning you were talking about perfectionism and staying on the treadmill of approval. Yeah. Facebook keeps you on the treadmill oh, yeah. of approval. Oh yeah. Yep. And you're exactly right. Instagram is just you in your house and if people want to stop by they can, but Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They'll come by and look in the window and if they like what you're doing. They'll come in and stay a while and then they might get tired of you and they'll leave. And that's okay because you've done the same thing to other people. It has nothing to do with you. Yep. They're just not your people that day. It's okay. Yeah. And there's there's more people that aren't your people than are your people. Yeah. Just so you know that. But you don't need a thousand people. Nope. You don't. You just um, need a, a small circle of friends that you can trust. And I, I teach my son this because he's kind of going through this too. If you leave friends and you don't feel good after you leave them. Yep. They're not your friends. You need to surround yourself with people who literally make you a better person. And don't you think it's funny that we tell our kids that? And then for some reason it takes us 27 years to figure it out, but we tell our kids that immediately. But one big eye-opener was I do see a lot of myself in him as far as his interests and his his um, strengths. Mm-hmm. And so I also see a lot of his tendencies to want to seek approval. And he's... Be friends with everyone. And maybe that's because of the way I was parenting through my lovely drunken state. Um, but I'm wiser now and now I know better. And so now I see... I'm able to talk to him on a different level now that I've learned those lessons. So instead of beating myself up and worrying, oh my gosh, how did I ruin my eight-year-old child? I see it as, thank goodness I learned these lessons. And now I can talk to him and have these these really fun, enriched conversations because of what I learned. And actually, because you learned it, you're a better parent anyway. Yes. And that's, that's part of the two when you're going through it. You don't see the lessons that you're learning until you can look backwards. Yeah. 
So. so just know that wherever you are, you're right where you're supposed to be, and you don't have to stay in that mess. You have it in you. It's just you may have buried it with all of the distractions and addictions mm -hmm. and, and toxic relationships. And so when you get rid of those, that's when you start to find the real you. And I, honest, I know this sounds kind of crazy, but when I stopped drinking, I realized that I left that 13-year-old that girl behind. She never mm -hmm. got to be the person she was supposed to be because I kept stuffing her mouth right. with food and drink. You kept drink. keeping her worship. Just be quiet. You sit in the corner and shut up. And so now, like, I, this is crazy, but I actually started watching, um, uh, what is it called? Pretty Little Liars. Mm -hmm. And I became addicted to that show. But it, it was such a, like, a teenager, teeny bop thing to watch. But part of me was like, is this because the 13-year-old in me still is, is still in there? Yeah, yeah, is getting to come out and play now. <laughs> like she's watching this. But anyway, it's just it's fun. Make it an adventure, and everything can be fun. It is, and then every day that there's a little win, you have to celebrate it because yes. you never did before. Even if nobody else in your life is Gets celebrating it. it, celebrate it yourself. And you know what? We always want people to get it. Yeah, we always hope that people will understand, and we always want people to justify, you know, that it's okay that you are where you are. People don't get it, mm -mm. you know. So, and people but somebody will, somebody will. Yeah. And, and so many of us, we think that our stories are so unique that we're the only ones that, you know, drank at the movies with their son because of our drinking addiction. And I guarantee you, if I shared that story, somebody's like, yeah, I did that too. Yeah. And so now I'm realizing my story is not that unique, but the reason that I, I finally came to terms with it is because someone else was bold enough to share their story. And I put this girl and this particular person on a pedestal and thought mm -hmm. she was perfect. And when I heard her story, I'm like, oh my goodness, if she did that and overcame that, I can too. Yep. And so that's why I, I love sharing my story when it's appropriate. And that's what the whole, that's, yes. that is why I do what I do. Yes. Because that's I That's why we, the show that I was talking about, the nonprofit TV show, it's all about people sharing their, their stories of struggle and overcoming it to help other people. Yep. And your stories are power. And you guys will all be doing the same thing eventually. Yeah. You will. And that is the best feeling in the whole wide world. Yeah. So I am so glad that you were here today. We'll definitely. I know. I just keep talking. I know. I will keep talking too. <laughs> I will totally keep talking. But, um, but we'll, we'll definitely try to make it at least, you know, get you on here uh, a couple times a year. I would love that. Because yes. uh, maybe we can be more organized. And if I ever do a podcast, you have to come on my podcast. Okay. I will. Yes. So when she gets her podcast I organized, no gonna be. Yeah. I'll <laughs> announce it. So. Um, you guys can go listen to it. But be again, thank you. Thank you. And um, I will be back, obviously. I'm always back with you guys. So it is Friday. That's crazy. And it's nice out. So yeah, I don't know what's going to go on this weekend, but something good. Yes. So again, thank you. And we will talk to you guys all later. Thank you for listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. If your life is being affected by a toxic relationship, visit coachingwithdrheidi.com and take our free toxicity profile analysis or schedule a personalized consultation with Dr. Heidi. You can also follow us on Instagram at coachingwithdrheidi or join our private Facebook group at Strength Within. Take your first step to freedom today. And remember, it's not normal it's toxic.